Welcome to Daring Creating Refuge, episode 18. This is an update in light of the holiday season. And as many of you know, and those of you who are recovering and growing from post-traumatic stress disorder or complex PTSD, the holidays bring up a lot of emotions. For many of us are survivors of abuse and trauma from the people who um, supposedly love us, from the people who birthed and reared us and raised us. And oftentimes this brings up feelings of abandonment, um, reliving of trauma, as well as um, feelings of emptiness, um, feelings of neglect, feelings of being alone. And this holiday season, I spent Thanksgiving alone. I um, did not celebrate with anyone, and below me in the apartment, my neighbors were um, celebrating with family and children that were visiting from the East Coast, and I could hear it um, basically for days. Um, So it was about four days of celebration, and it was a reminder that I was alone. It also was the um, day after my wedding anniversary. Um, This would have been my fifth year of being with my wife. Our divorce is nearing its conclusion. I received papers uh, from my lawyer in terms of the settlement. Um, So not only was I dealing with the lonely Thanksgiving, but also the end of my marriage and the breaking of um, wedding vows. And it made me think of wedding vows in a different light. Um, The vow to um, stay with one's spouse through sickness and health really stands out to me. However, taking my Buddhist vows, I now understand that vows are a goal And a lot of times, they're unattainable um, and unrealistic. It also made me think of this Buddhist concept called Tanha, which is uh, becoming and the illusion of becoming. So becoming one's spouse, be it a husband or a wife. And really the emptiness and illusion that surrounds becoming. So, for example, um, I spent 15 years in the academic complex becoming a professor. And then once I became a professor, nothing changed. I was still who I am, Darren. However, um, in that becoming, I didn't become a part of the club of academia in terms of getting a tenure track position and so becoming became a disappointment Um, that also applies to my marriage 
Um, and uh, it really made me relive some of the moments with my spouse um, and conversations we had before we were wed. And I recall on our first date, which was very long and romantic, that she asked me if I would ever consider being married. And before that conversation, I was vehemently against marriage. Um, I saw it as an outdated institution. However, I believe in my loneliness, which was also mirrored by my spouse and my girlfriend at the time, later my fiance, we were both alone and we were seeking companionship. And ultimately what comes to fray in these periods of lonely holidays and the feeling of abandonment is the concept of love and how love in a global sense is kind of an abused word. It's a four-letter word. And the Hollywood complex perpetuates this image of romantic love that we see on screens that is very intoxicating and very Disney-like. The fairy tale love stories that don't exist. And that is why, ultimately, relationships take work and time in order to function. Due to circumstance and from the hands of my own bloodline and through an accident, as well as my in-laws, I was denied love. Um, And it was really hard to be in a marriage that was denied not only by my own bloodline, but ultimately denied by my in-laws. And it took me my final surgery after three years of being disabled and trying to cope with a large lipoma on my main artery on my left arm that my in-laws really weren't my family. And a lot of what I was receiving were platitudes that I was a part of their family, but I never was. This also brings up issues of identity. Um, So I'm multiracial. I'm also bisexual. Um, It brings up issues of queerness and belonging and visibility. Within the queer community, bisexuality is kind of um, invisible. And so in the end, I I feel very invisible. Um, So those are two traumas that I am working through over this holiday season, the wedding anniversary as well as a homeless Thanksgiving. Two days after Thanksgiving, um, I was at my workplace and I was taking a break outside and this woman who was mentally unstable tried to stab me to death. Within that situation, I went back into the workplace where she stood with a knife and a tall can of alcohol. This is the fourth time 
I've been assaulted in a year. So a little over a year ago, I was assaulted at the train station, punched in the face, um, supposedly for my bike. Um, the police came, took away the um, attacker, never contacted me about the court hearing and dismissed the case. Um, although he did spend some time in jail. After that, I was attacked for my bike in my hometown with a knife. And a few months later, I was assaulted while dancing at a club and rock, um, mocked r racially and hit really hard on my rear end by this mocking racist man. And now here it is again with a knife. And so these feelings uh, that come up due to these incidents makes me feel very um, disposable um, that I am my existence doesn't matter. And so I'm having a um, a hard time processing because I'm finding myself dissociating a lot. So any kind of problems, um, and I'm sure many of those listening who are coping through PTSD or see PTSD um, understand this, uh, that when problems arise and are in front of our face, we tend to zone out. So especially in meetings. So I've been in a number of meetings since. And I, I just find myself staring at the wall or staring at an object, just zoning out, letting everyone talk. And with the realization that nothing's going to be solved. So it's a very... Um, toxic situation to be in and when I find myself in these toxic situations I zone out I am wondering about the well-being of my spouse in light of the divorce I am wondering if my spouse within the last two years have seen other people have dated has made love has potentially lived with another romantic interest. And, um, and it hurts because it makes me think of my vows. And in the last two years, I haven't had a relationship. I cultivated new friendships um, at the meditation center. And I dated here and there, but it didn't amount to anything. Um, in terms of my physicality, I'm at almost at my peak performance again, and I feel attractive, but at the same time, I feel like an object of fascination. Um, I feel like a peacock, but I also feel kind of dangerous. And that people don't necessarily want to have a relationship with me. And friendships are hard. Uh, they take work like any other relationship. 
The relationships that I have fostered within the last two years have been primarily with people who are also growing from PTSD and are in recovery. And I cherish those relationships because we have a deep understanding of each other and we don't have to explain. We don't have to get into these trauma stories and loops. Um, In the end, though, I sit with a lot of desire in meditation practice. In meditation practice, I find myself fantasizing a lot. And uh, particularly having romantic relationships with others. Um, And I found out that that's very common for meditation from an instructor who said that one of their students, all they think about is sex during meditation. And so that kind of validated um, me sitting with desire. And now... I am finding myself in a personality change and that I'm very direct. Um, I am no longer shy and I'm very verbose as usual in my conversations and I'm very attentive in my listening to others. Um instead of my previous self, which would be caught up in my head while listening to others. I am... I've met some people in discussion groups um, that are sexuality-based, so there was this kink group that's pretty historic that I've been going to, and I cultivated those acquaintances by having deep conversations about desire and yet when I would try to friend such people say online um, they wouldn't respond in a sense that makes me feel like I am constantly trying to find a place to belong and a partner that understands my desires and likes. At this point, I really don't have any expectations for life um, and relationships and living. It's kind of like going through the motions. And it's hard for me to be angry anymore or be resentful and I'm having this outlook on life that is very hopeless Um, and that is a cornerstone of Tantra practice um, in the Shambhala tradition um, which Trungpa wrote tons of books about the founder of Shambhala Um, and Within that, I look at Trungpa as this amazing person who was very direct. Even though he wasn't the purest person, he had his drawbacks, 
He was very direct in his feelings and his likes and his desires. And so, even though being married, he was having quote-unquote affairs with many people who he was um, enamored with. Um, I don't take that as a lesson to mirror his actions, but I take it as a lesson to be direct in my admiration of others. Um, and, uh, and to be very upfront in terms of, say, asking people out to spend time to eat and discuss things, to go out in nature, etc. And um, ultimately, through all this growing, I am alone. And the feelings of abandonment and disposability and non-existence are really high right now. Um... And this is this is um, a shift in terms of ideation, in terms of thoughts of like suicide. And um, I no longer have those impulses as I had in the past, with the realization that life is literally just pain and suffering. However, I feel with the onslaught of trauma that I have managed to navigate throughout my life, how much more can I take until I break? Or when will the next um, traumatic incident be the end of my life? And then I take it on a tangent in the vein that if I did die, would anybody know? Would anybody care? And so um, another traumatic incident that happened during this period was I ran into my, my bloodline parents at the shopping center in my hometown when I was going to the grocery store and my abuser, my father, was literally five feet away from me and didn't say a word to me and he was really nervous because he's scared of me because he knows I know and he knows that he is guilty of a lot of what happened to my spouse and I um was a direct result of his decisions and his treatment of my spouse and I in times of need. And um, I'm realizing that there are people who have children who are incapable of love because they themselves came from families that were unloving. Um, so it makes me think in terms of potential relationships in the future, would I even 
consider being married? Do I even want children to experience being raised by someone who doesn't know what it is to be loved? And that is kind of my understanding of my parents at this point, that they're incapable of love, they're incapable of extending sympathy and um, as a result throughout my life I've been highly empathetic and um, an understanding of a lot of people's pain um, to the point that I could feel it physically and so I am um I'm in this numb state at the moment. Um, I had some catatonic experiences within the last few days where I wake up and I just lay and I look at the wall. And as an emotional response, tears come out of my eyes without even trying. Um, And that's a sign of fatigue. Um, it is also a sign of healing. And um, I was looking forward to the seasonal change because this is one of my favorite times of the year in the Bay Area. Um, I like the rain. The rain finally came back. And reconnecting with the earth, I noticed from the results of my composting and um, reseeding of some of the plants that I have in the front, that new life is sprouting. Uh, So fava beans are coming up again. Um, I rarely eat them, but I let them go to seed and I break their skins and I replant the beans. So those are popping up again. Um, I still have numerous collared, purple collared plants in the front lawn. And uh, when I when I notice these cycles of life and death, I'm less scared of dying, and I'm also really cognizant of how impermanence plays out in life that within relationships friendships lovers acquaintances there is a beginning and an end within marriage there is a beginning and an end even if the couples stay together one of them dies and thus it's the cycle of life and um, I have this longing for the last two years to be touched um, to be understood um, to be validated and um, I'm hoping with the conclusion of my marriage 
by the new year, perhaps that will lift this obstacle where I could truly experience unions, uh, be it friendships or otherwise with others. And uh, hopefully experience more joy and happiness but removed from the romantic love that's portrayed throughout media globally but just being in the moment with another so that concludes episode 18 of Daring Creating Refuge I'm all wishing you well in this holiday season and believe me you are not alone in your recovery and I'm wishing you all well this is Darren Creating Refuge signing off thanks for listening Welcome to Daring Creating Refuge, episode 18. This is an update in light of the holiday season. And as many of you know, and those of you who are recovering and growing from post-traumatic stress disorder or complex PTSD, the holidays bring up a lot of emotions. For many of us are survivors of abuse and trauma from the people who um, supposedly love us, from the people who birthed and reared us and raised us, and oftentimes this brings up feelings of abandonment. Um, reliving of trauma as well as um, feelings of emptiness um, feelings of neglect feelings of being alone and this holiday season I spent Thanksgiving alone I um did not celebrate with anyone and below me in the apartment my neighbors were um, celebrating with family and children that were visiting from the east coast and I could hear it um, basically for days Um, so it was about four days of celebration and it was a reminder that I was alone it also was the um, day after my wedding anniversary. Um, This would have been my fifth year of being with my wife. Our divorce is nearing its conclusion. I received papers uh, from my lawyer in terms of the settlement. Um, So not only was I dealing with the lonely Thanksgiving, but also the end of my marriage 
and the breaking of um, wedding vows. And it made me think of wedding vows in a different light. Um, The vow to um, stay with one's spouse through sickness and health really stands out to me. However, taking my Buddhist vows, I now understand that vows are a goal. And a lot of times, they're unattainable um, and unrealistic. It also made me think of this Buddhist concept called tanha, which is uh, becoming and the illusion of becoming. So becoming one's spouse, be it a husband or a wife. And really the emptiness and illusion that surrounds becoming. So, for example, um, I spent 15 years in the academic complex becoming a professor. And then once I became a professor, nothing changed. I was still who I am, Darren. However... um, In that becoming, I didn't become a part of the club of academia in terms of getting a tenure track position. And so becoming became a disappointment. Um, That also applies to my marriage. Um, And uh, it really made me relive some of the moments with my spouse um, and conversations we had before we were wed. And I recall on our first date, which was very long and romantic, that she asked me if I would ever consider being married. And before that conversation, I was vehemently against marriage. Um, I saw it as an outdated institution. However, I believe in my loneliness which was also mirrored by my spouse and my girlfriend at the time. Later, my fiance, we were both alone and we were seeking companionship. And ultimately what comes to fray in these periods of lonely holidays and the feeling of abandonment is the concept of love and how love in a global sense is kind of an abused word. It's a four-letter word. And the Hollywood complex perpetuates this image of romantic love that we see on screens that is very intoxicating and very Disney-like. The fairy tale love stories that don't exist. And that is why, ultimately relationships take work and time in order to function due to circumstance and from the hands of my own bloodline and through an accident as well as my in-laws I was denied love Um, and it was really hard to be in a marriage that was denied not only by my own bloodline but ultimately denied by my in-laws 
And it took me my final surgery after three years of being disabled and trying to cope with a large lipoma on my main artery on my left arm that my in-laws really weren't my family and a lot of what I was receiving were platitudes that I was a part of their family but I never was. This also brings up issues of identity. Um, So I'm multiracial. I'm also bisexual. Um, It brings up issues of queerness and belonging and visibility. Within the queer community, bisexuality is kind of um, invisible. And so in the end, I I feel very invisible. Um, So those are two traumas that I am working through over this holiday season, the wedding anniversary as well as a homeless Thanksgiving. Two days after Thanksgiving, um, I was at my workplace and I was taking a break outside and this woman who was mentally unstable tried to stab me to death within that situation I went back into the workplace where she stood with a knife and a tall can of alcohol this is the fourth time I've been assaulted in a year so a little over a year ago I was assaulted at the train station punched in the face um, supposedly for my bike Um, the police came took away the um, attacker never contacted me about the court hearing and dismissed the case. Um, Although he did spend some time in jail. After that, I was attacked for my bike in my hometown with a knife. And a few months later, I was assaulted while dancing at a club and uh, mocked racially and hit really hard on my rear end by this mocking racist man and now here it is again with a knife and so these feelings uh, that come up due to these incidents makes me feel very um, disposable um, that I am my existence doesn't matter and so I'm having a um a hard time processing because I'm finding myself dissociating a lot so any kind of problems um, and I'm sure many of those listening who are coping through PTSD or see PTSD um, understand this uh, that when problems arise and are in front of our face we tend to zone out so especially in meetings So I've been in a number of meetings since and I I just find myself staring at the wall or staring at an object, just zoning out, letting everyone talk and with the realization that nothing's going to be solved. So it's a very um, toxic situation to be in. And when I find myself in these toxic situations, I zone out. 
I am wondering about the well-being of my spouse in light of the divorce. I am wondering if my spouse within the last two years have seen other people, have dated, has made love, has potentially lived with another romantic interest. And um, and it hurts because it makes me think of my vows. And in the last two years, I haven't had a relationship. I cultivated new friendships um, at the meditation center. And I dated here and there, but it didn't amount to anything. Um, in terms of my physicality, I'm at almost at my peak performance again and I feel attractive but at the same time I feel like an object of fascination Um, I feel like a peacock but I also feel kind of dangerous in that people don't necessarily want to have a relationship with me and friendships are hard Uh, they take work like any other relationship the relationships that I have fostered within the last two years have been primarily with people who are also growing from PTSD and are in recovery and I cherish those relationships because we have a deep understanding of each other and we don't have to explain we don't have to get into these trauma stories and loops um in the end though I sit with a lot of desire in meditation practice in meditation practice I find myself fantasizing a lot And uh, particularly having romantic relationships with others. Um, And I found out that that's very common for meditation from an instructor who said that one of their students, all they think about is sex during meditation. And so that kind of validated um, me sitting with desire And now I am finding myself in a personality change and that I'm very direct. Um, I am no longer shy and I'm very verbose as usual in my conversations and I'm very attentive in my listening to others. Um instead of my previous self which would be caught up in my head while listening to others I am I've met some people in discussion groups um, that are sexuality based so there was this kink group that's pretty historic that I've been going to and I cultivated those acquaintances by having deep conversations about desire 
And yet when I would try to friend such people, say online, um, they wouldn't respond. In a sense, that makes me feel like I am constantly trying to find a place to belong and a partner that understands my desires and likes. At this point, I really don't have any expectations for life um, and relationships and living. It's kind of like going through the motions. And it's hard for me to be angry anymore or be resentful. And I'm having this outlook on life that is very hopeless. Um, And that is a cornerstone of Tantra practice um, in the Shambhala tradition, uh, which Trungpa wrote tons of books about the founder of Shambhala. Um, And within that... I look at Trungpa as this amazing person who was very direct. Even though he wasn't the purest person and he had his drawbacks, he was very direct in his feelings and his likes and his desires. And so, even though being married, he was having quote-unquote affairs with many people who is... Um, enamored with Um, I don't take that as a lesson to mirror his actions but I take it as a lesson to be direct in my admiration of others Um, and uh, and to be very upfront in terms of say asking people out to spend time to eat and discuss things, to go out in nature, etc. And um, ultimately, through all this growing, I am alone, and the feelings of abandonment and disposability and non existence are really high right now. Um, and this is this is um, a shift in terms of ideation in terms of thoughts of like suicide and um, I no longer have those impulses as I had in the past with the realization that life is literally just pain and suffering. However, I feel with the onslaught of trauma that I have managed to navigate throughout my life, how much more can I take until I break? Or when will the next um, traumatic incident be the end of my life 
and then I take it on a tangent in the vein that if I did die, would anybody know? Would anybody care? And so um, another traumatic incident that happened during this period was I ran into my, my bloodline parents at the shopping center in my hometown when I was going to the grocery store and my abuser, my father, was literally five feet away from me and didn't say a word to me and he was really nervous because he's scared of me because he knows I know and he knows that he is guilty of a lot of what happened to my spouse and I um, was a direct result of his decisions and his treatment of my spouse and I in times of need. And um, I'm realizing that there are people who have children who are incapable of love because they themselves came from families that were unloving. Um, So it makes me think in terms of potential relationships in the future, would I even consider being married? Do I even want children to experience being raised by someone who doesn't know what it is to be loved. And that is kind of my understanding of my parents at this point, that they're incapable of love, they're incapable of extending sympathy. And um, as a result, throughout my life, I've been highly empathetic and... um, an understanding of a lot of people's pain um, to the point that I could feel it physically. And so I am um, I'm in this numb state at the moment. Um, I had some catatonic experiences within the last few days where I wake up and I just lay and I look at the wall and as an emotional response, tears come out of my eyes without even trying. Um, And that's a sign of fatigue. Um, It is also a sign of healing. And... um, I was looking forward to the seasonal change because this is one of my favorite times of the year in the Bay Area. Um, I like the rain. The rain finally came back. And reconnecting with the earth, I noticed from the results of my composting and um, reseeding of some of the plants that I have in the front that new life is sprouting. Uh, So fava beans are coming up again. Um, I rarely eat them, but I let them go to seed. 
and I break their skins and I replant the beans. So those are popping up again. Um, I still have numerous collared, purple collared plants in the front lawn. And uh, when I When I notice these cycles of life and death, I'm less scared of dying. And I'm also really cognizant of how impermanence plays out in life. That within relationships, friendships, lovers, Acquaintances, there is a beginning and an end. Within marriage, there is a beginning and an end. Even if the couples stay together, one of them dies. And thus, it's the cycle of life. And um, I have this longing for the last two years to be touched. Um, to be understood um, to be validated and um, I'm hoping with the conclusion of my marriage by the new year perhaps that will lift this obstacle where I could truly experience unions Uh, be it friendships or otherwise with others and uh, hopefully experience more joy and happiness but removed from the romantic love that's portrayed throughout media globally but just being in the moment with another. So that concludes episode 18 of Daring Creating Refuge. I'm all wishing you well in this holiday season. And believe me, you are not alone in your recovery. And I'm wishing you all well. This is Darren, Creating Refuge, signing off. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Darren, Creating Refuge, episode 18. This is an update in light of the holiday season. And as many of you know, and those of you who are recovering and growing from post-traumatic stress disorder or complex PTSD, the holidays bring up a lot of emotions For many of us are survivors of abuse and trauma from the people who um, uh, 
supposedly love us from the people who birthed and reared us and raised us and oftentimes this brings up feelings of abandonment um, reliving of trauma as well as um, feelings of emptiness um, feelings of neglect feelings of being alone and this holiday season I spent Thanksgiving alone I um, did not celebrate with anyone and below me in the apartment my neighbors were um, celebrating with family and children that were visiting from the east coast and I could hear it um, basically for days Um, so it was about four days of celebration and it was a reminder that I was alone it also was the um, day after my wedding anniversary Um, this would have been my fifth year of being with my wife our divorce is nearing its conclusion I received papers uh, from my lawyer in terms of the settlement Um, so not only was I dealing with the lonely Thanksgiving but also the end of my marriage and the breaking of um, wedding vows and it made me think of wedding vows in a different light Um, the vow to um, stay with one's spouse through sickness and health really stands out to me however taking my buddhist vows i now understand that vows are a goal and a lot of times they're unattainable um, and unrealistic it also made me think of this buddhist concept called tanha which is uh becoming and the illusion of becoming so becoming one's spouse be it a husband or a wife and really the emptiness and illusion that surrounds becoming so for example um, I spent 15 years in the academic complex becoming a professor and then once I became a professor nothing changed I was still who I am Darren However, um, in that becoming, I didn't become a part of the club of academia in terms of getting a tenure track position. And so becoming became a disappointment. Um, That also applies to my marriage. Um, And uh, it really made me relive some of the moments with my spouse. and conversations we had before we were wed. And I recall on our first date, which was very long and romantic, that she asked me if I would ever consider being married. And before that conversation, I was vehemently against marriage. Um, I saw it as an outdated institution. However, I believe in my loneliness, 
which was also mirrored by my spouse and my girlfriend at the time, later my fiance, we were both alone and we were seeking companionship. And ultimately what comes to fray in these periods of lonely holidays and the feeling of abandonment is the concept of love and how love in a global sense is kind of an abused word. It's a four-letter word. And the Hollywood complex perpetuates this image of romantic love that we see on screens that is very intoxicating and very Disney-like. The fairy tale love stories that don't exist. And that is why, ultimately, relationships take work and time in order to function. Due to circumstance and from the hands of my own bloodline and through an accident, as well as my in-laws, I was denied love um, and it was really hard to be in a marriage that was denied not only by my own bloodline but ultimately denied by my in-laws and it took me my final surgery after three years of being disabled and trying to cope with a large lipoma on my main artery on my left arm that my in-laws really weren't my family and a lot of what I was receiving were platitudes that I was a part of their family but I never was this also brings up issues of identity um, so I'm multiracial I'm also bisexual um, it brings up issues of queerness and belonging and visibility within the queer community. Bisexuality is kind of um, invisible. And so in the end, I, I feel very invisible. Um, so those are two traumas that I am working through over this holiday season. The wedding anniversary as well as a homeless Thanksgiving. Two days after Thanksgiving, um, I was at my workplace and I was taking a break outside and this woman who was mentally unstable tried to stab me to death. Within that situation, I went back into the workplace where she stood with a knife and a tall can of alcohol. This is the fourth time I've been assaulted in a year. So a little over a year ago, I was assaulted at the train station, punched in the face, um, supposedly for my bike. Um, the police came, took away the um, attacker, never contacted me about the court hearing and dismissed the case. Um, although he did spend some time in jail, after that, I was attacked for my bike in my hometown with a knife. And a few months later, I was assaulted while dancing at a club and rock, um, mocked 
racially and hit really hard on my rear end by this mocking racist man. And now here it is again with a knife. And so these feelings uh, that come up due to these incidents makes me feel very um, disposable um, that I am my existence doesn't matter and so I'm having a um, a hard time processing because I'm finding myself dissociating a lot so any kind of problems um, and I'm sure many of those listening who are coping through PTSD or see PTSD um, understand this uh, that when problems arise and are in front of our face we tend to zone out so especially in meetings so I've been in a number of meetings since and I I just find myself staring at the wall or staring at an object just zoning out letting everyone talk and with the realization that nothing's going to be solved so it's a very um, toxic situation to be in and when I find myself in these toxic situations I zone out I am wondering about the well-being of my spouse in light of the divorce I am wondering if my spouse within the last two years have seen other people, have dated, has made love, has potentially lived with another romantic interest. And, um, and it hurts because it makes me think of my vows. And in the last two years, I haven't had a relationship I cultivated new friendships um, at the meditation center and I dated here and there but it didn't amount to anything Um, in terms of my physicality I'm at almost at my peak performance again and I feel attractive but at the same time I feel like an object of fascination Um, I feel like a peacock but I also feel kind of dangerous in that people don't necessarily want to have a relationship with me and friendships are hard Uh, they take work like any other relationship The relationships that I have fostered within the last two years have been primarily with people who are also growing from PTSD and are in recovery. And I cherish those relationships because we have a deep understanding of each other and we don't have to explain. We don't have to get into these trauma stories and loops. Um... In the end, though, I sit with a lot of desire in meditation practice 
in meditation practice, I find myself fantasizing a lot. And uh, particularly having romantic relationships with others. Um, And I found out that that's very common for meditation from an instructor who said that one of their students, all they think about is sex during meditation. And so that kind of validated um, me sitting with desire. And now I am finding myself in a personality change and that I'm very direct. Um, I am no longer shy and I'm very verbose as usual in my conversations and I'm very attentive in my listening to others Um, instead of my previous self which would be caught up in my head while listening to others I am I've met some people in discussion groups um, that are sexuality based so there was this kink group that's pretty historic that I've been going to and I cultivated those acquaintances by having deep conversations about desire and yet when I would try to friend such people say online uh, they wouldn't respond in a sense that makes me feel like I am constantly trying to find a place to belong and a partner that understands my desires and likes. At this point, I really don't have any expectations for life um, and relationships and living. It's kind of like going through the motions. And... It's hard for me to be angry anymore or be resentful. And I'm having this outlook on life that is very hopeless. Um, And that is a cornerstone of Tantra practice um, in the Shambhala tradition, um, which Trungpa wrote tons of books about the founder of Shambhala. Um, And within that, I look at Trungpa as this amazing person who was very direct. Even though he wasn't the purest person, he had his drawbacks. He was very direct in his feelings and his likes and his desires. And so, even though being married, he was having quote-unquote affairs with many people who he was um, enamored with. Um, I don't take that as a lesson to mirror his actions, but I take it as a lesson to be direct in my admiration of others. Um... And uh, and to be very upfront in terms of 
say asking people out to spend time to eat and discuss things to go out in nature etc and um Ultimately, through all this growing, I am alone, and the feelings of abandonment and disposability and non-existence are really high right now. Um, and this is... This is um, a shift in terms of ideation, in terms of thoughts of, like, suicide. And um, I no longer have those impulses as I had in the past with the realization that life is literally just pain and suffering. However, I feel... With the onslaught of trauma that I have managed to navigate throughout my life. How much more can I take until I break? Or when will the next um, traumatic incident be the end of my life? And then I take it on a tangent in the vein that if I did die, would anybody know? Would anybody care? And so um, another traumatic incident that happened during this period was I ran into my, my bloodline parents at the shopping center in my hometown when I was going to the grocery store. And my abuser, my father, was literally five feet away from me and didn't say a word to me. And he was really nervous because he's scared of me because he knows I know. And he knows that he is guilty of a lot of what happened to my spouse and I um, was a direct result of his decisions in his treatment of my spouse and I in times of need. And um, I'm realizing that there are people who have children who are incapable of love because they themselves came from families that were unloving. Um, So it makes me think in terms of potential relationships in the future would I even consider being married do I even want children to experience being raised by someone who doesn't know what it is to be loved and that is kind of my understanding of my parents at this point that they're incapable of love they're incapable of extending sympathy and um, as a result throughout my life I've been highly empathetic and um, 
an understanding of a lot of people's pain um, to the point that I could feel it physically. And so I am um, I'm in this numb state at the moment. Um, I had some catatonic experiences within the last few days where I wake up and I just lay and I look at the wall and as an emotional response tears come out of my eyes without even trying Um, and that's a sign of fatigue Um, it is also a sign of healing and um, I was looking forward to the seasonal change because this is one of my favorite times of the year in the Bay Area. Um, I like the rain. The rain finally came back. And reconnecting with the earth, I noticed from the results of my composting and um, reseeding of some of the plants that I have in the front that new life is sprouting Uh, so fava beans are coming up again Um, I rarely eat them but I let them go to seed and I break their skins and I replant the beans so those are popping up again Um, I still have numerous collared purple collared plants in the front lawn and uh when I when I notice these cycles of life and death I'm less scared of dying and I'm also really cognizant of how impermanence plays out in life That within relationships, friendships, lovers, acquaintances, there is a beginning and an end. Within marriage, there is a beginning and an end. Even if the couples stay together, one of them dies. And thus, it's the cycle of life. And... um, I have this longing for the last two years to be touched, um, to be understood, um, to be validated. And I am hoping with the conclusion of my marriage by the new year, perhaps that will lift this obstacle where I could truly experience unions, uh, be it friendships or otherwise with others. And uh, hopefully experience more joy and happiness but removed from the romantic love that's portrayed throughout media globally 
but just being in the moment with another. So that concludes episode 18 of Daring Creating Refuge. I'm all wishing you well in this holiday season. And believe me, you are not alone in your recovery. And I'm wishing you all well. This is Darren, Creating Refuge, signing off. Thanks for listening.